good to have another colonel in our ranks with us. And if there's anybody here, well, I got us all standing. But if you served in the military in any way or a policeman or a fireman, would you hold your hand up for us? And I want y'all to look around. And we want to thank y'all because even though you didn't give the sacrifice of your life, you put your life on the line. And today, I don't know of a better way to honor those who gave all so that we can have all that we get to experience as Americans is to pledge allegiance to the greatest flag in the world, the flag of the United States of America. The more older I get, the more I realize how thankful I am to be an American. She ain't perfect, but I don't know anywhere else I want to go and anything else I want to be more than an American except to be a child of God. Amen. So we're going to say the Pledge of Allegiance. Um, we hope you, we were taught it in school. We said it every day. If you don't know it, do your best to follow those of us who do. And I'm going to start us off. Would you say with me the Pledge of Allegiance? I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we want to thank you for the privilege to live in this great land of the United States of America. And Lord, we take time today to recognize that we don't have these freedoms without the sacrifice of others. And especially today, as we take time to remember those who gave their lives in conflict to the enemies who would try to take this life from us. And we want to thank you for those men and women who served and died for our freedom. And Lord, we thank you more than anything for the greatest one who ever died for us, Jesus Christ, the greatest hero of all. And today we just honor our fallen brothers and sisters and we remember them. Help us to keep America great. Help us to live lives that glorify you and bless others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We God, you can be seated. And... um. If you got your Bible, I want to invite you to turn with me to the book of 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 12, to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 12, and I've got to get all my stuff out here, but it's, while you're turning there, um, I want to talk to us this morning on a message about spiritual prayer warriors, about intercessory prayers, and you know, if you look, it should be up by now. Jesus said this. Jesus said, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. And you know, it is an unbelievable thing to think about. But many of our fellow Americans went to places they didn't want to go, to have to do things they never would have wanted to do. And in that place, and in that commitment, they gave their one and only life so that we as Americans can continue to be Americans in the land of the free. Jesus, one of the greatest sacrifices of all, the greatest sacrifice of all, gave his life so that we can have eternal life. And you know today, thinking about that, that there's no way you can have heaven without the sacrifice of Jesus there was no way you could have America as we know it without the sacrifice of many fellow Americans. And I 
I want to bring you to a passage today. You know, we are thankful for those men who went to fight a physical war, to fight against an enemy of flesh and blood who had sworn to be our enemy. But today I want to talk to you about another battle that we are losing, a spiritual battle. Just as those men went and interceded on our behalf and put their place on the line for everybody else, today, spiritually, I want you to understand something, that there's a spiritual war going on and America's not doing very good. As a matter of fact, the whole world is not doing very good. And you know, there was a time in the life of Israel where God told a prophet, a preacher named Ezekiel, it was doing the ministry of Jeremiah. Jeremiah, we know, preached to a fallen, backslidden, rebellious, stiff-necked people of God for 40 years, and they would not listen. He's known as the weeping prophet, the sorrowful prophet. He never got to see churches grow. He never got to see Sunday school attendance increase. All he ever did was preach, and he never, ever seen many people listen to what God told him to say. And as he continued to warn them through another man of God, his contemporary, Ezekiel, God said, so I sought for a man. Why? Because the land had turned so far from God. The wickedness was to a place where God said, I cannot turn an eye against it anymore. I'm going to have to judge it. Just what Jeremiah had been saying. And he said, I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it. But he said, I could not find one. <laughs> one. And you know, today, just as people went and stood in the gap and fought wars in foreign countries, put their lives on the line, interceded for a nation, the land, they stood in the gap and many, many men gave their lives. Today, there's people today who as God looks over us, he's looking for people like me and you, Christians, his children, who will stand spiritually in the gap and make a wall for the land and intercede for them who cannot fight for themselves. I don't know if you understand this, but a lost person cannot pray effectively. Only prayer that God will hear from a lost person is forgive me and save me. They are separated from God. Their prayers are not heard in heaven when a man is undone in sin. But for those of us who are saved, those of us who are washed in the blood, filled with the Spirit, not only do we have the right and privilege to pray, we have the responsibility to pray. Not only are we called and commissioned to go forth with the gospel, into the ranks of our neighbors to preach the good news of Jesus. We are also commissioned by God with authority from on high to pray in the name of Jesus on behalf of our lost neighbors, our backslidden, lost family. And if you want to know what America needs more than anything, it's a praying people of God that will get on their face again, that will cry and sweep tears on carpets again, for a nation, a land. God's looking in churches today for men and women who will make a wall and stand in the gap for the land, friend. And I wonder how many people he finds today as he looks. And I want to talk to us today about 
spiritual prayer warriors. God said, so I fought for a man among them. He said, I looked everywhere, but I never even found one. And today, as we look, I want us to look at one of the great intercessory prayer warriors, the great intercessors of the Bible. They were going to look at quite a few, but I want to look at one of my favorites in a text that God's brought me to that reminds me so much of where we are right now. Israel had had God for their king. Unlike all the nations of the lands around them, they didn't have a physical king. They had a spiritual king, God himself. They were different than every other nation. They were called out to be separated, to be his holy, sanctified people. But they looked to Samuel one day and they said, we want a king like the other nations. We want to be like everybody else. We don't want God to be our king anymore. We want a king to fight for us. We want a king to make an army for us. We want a king to do for us what the kings do for the rest of the nations. And it grieved Samuel, the Bible says in chapter 8. And Samuel went before the Lord and the Lord said, Samuel, just as they have forsaken me, they are forsaking you. But it's not you that they are forsaking, it's me. Give them a king. Give them what they asked for. So Samuel did what the Lord said. And they began to realize that what they thought everybody else had wasn't as good as they thought it was going to be. And you come to the place in the chapter 12 where God shows them through Samuel of his displeasure and his unhappiness and the wickedness that they brought on themselves by replacing God with something else. Instead of letting God be their king, they made a man named Saul their king who failed miserably as king. And as you look with me here in verse 19, all the people said to Samuel, pray for your servants to the Lord your God that we may not die for we have added to all our sins the evil of asking a king for ourselves. I'm afraid today that Jesus is no longer king of America. I don't even know if he's king of the church anymore. But I'm here to tell you the time is when you need to realize that there's only one king, and his name is Jesus. He sits on a throne, and it's not in Washington, D.C., nor is it in any other place on this earth. It is in heaven the King of kings and the Lord of lords. There is no other king, but I fear when I look at us and I watch us, even myself subconsciously, we depend way too much on presidents and congressmen and senators and Supreme Court justices sometimes, I believe, then we really do the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And if you want to help president, you want to help congressman, you need to come to the king. You need to do what they didn't do. You need to make Jesus your king today. And then we need to be intercessors on behalf of those who don't know him as king. And I want you to see what it says right there. And all the people said to Samuel, pray for your servants to the Lord your God that we may not die, for we have added to all our sins the evil of asking for a king. Then Samuel said to the people, do not fear, you have done all this wickedness. Yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. And do not turn aside, for then you would go after empty things, 
which cannot profit or deliver, for they are nothing. Anything else outside of God is empty, my friend. It cannot deliver. It will not profit. It will never give you what the world promises you it will do. Everything the world offers, everything the devil deceives you with, will always fall short of what you need and want. But I have a bad feeling that we as a nation, we as a people, as a land, have swallowed the devil's lie, hook, line, and sinker, and we're chasing after a world that will never happen this side of heaven. There is no perfect world here. And we have changed the rules. We have redefined everything from marriage to who's a female and who's a male, and we wonder why God has left us. I'm here to tell you the truth this morning, the hurtful truth sometimes. I remember that old saying, the truth hurts, amen? But friends, I'm going to tell you what, it's the truth that will set us free. And we need to do like Samuel. Look what Samuel said. Even though a lot of people, my friend, has turned us away from God, many of us has led us away from God, has taken things that not only hurt God, but anger God. There's no way you can tell me that a loving God that created life is not displeased with abortion. There's no way you can tell me that a loving God that set up everything according to his will and according to his righteousness is not upset with same-sex marriage and all the things that we have accepted into the land. And that's just a little bit of what we have all that come into, not only our nation, but our lives. But listen what he says. Do not fear. Yes, you've done all this evil. Yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. Do not turn aside, for then you would go after empty things. When you quit serving the Lord, you're going to find something else to serve, and it's going to be empty, and it's not going to profit. And I want you to see the great hope in verse 22. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you his people. And what did it take the Lord to make us his people? It took the sacrifice of his son. It took Jesus dying on a cross. And if we've come to the cross and we're saved and we're really the church, the Lord may not be pleased with everything the church is doing and especially a lot of the things the church no longer does, like witness and pray like we should. He still will not forsake us because we are his if we're blood-bought, spirit-filled. The hope of America is in the blood of Jesus Christ the cross of Calvary, and the Lamb of God. It's not in anything else. We have no covenant promises like Israel. Our only hope in America is through Jesus, by the gospel, through the cross. And look at what he says. This is the verse I want to preach on. This is the verse that comes to light when I look at the example of Samuel, who we should emulate. Samuel said, more as for me, for be it for me that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. Certainly I'm going to pray for you, Samuel said. It would be a sin against the Lord for me not to pray for you. You're, you're, you're my people, even though you did all this wickedness, even though you chose a king besides King Jesus. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you, but I will teach you the good and the right way. Only fear the Lord, and serve him in truth with all your heart, for consider what great things he has done for you. He saved us, if you're born again. 
But if you still do wickedly, you shall be swept away, both you and your king. Now, I want us to think about this for a minute. Intercessory prayer is the simple act of praying on behalf of others. If you look up intercessory at the word intercession in the King James, I mean in the Webster Dictionary, it simply says, I got my notes backwards, y'all hold up here a second. It simply says the action of intervening on behalf of another, especially the action of saying a prayer on behalf of another person. That's from Webster's Dictionary. But friends, listen, intercessory prayer is simply us praying on behalf of others who cannot pray for themselves. And guys, a person who is not saved, a person who has not come to the cross and is not a Christian, his prayers are very, very different than our prayers in effectiveness. Do you ever wonder why we say in Jesus' name when we pray? Because it's only through Jesus that we have access to that throne at the Father. Everyone else is separated from God. It is through His Spirit and His Son that we are able to pray. And guys, I want you to look at this. The role of spiritually mediating for others through prayer is prevalent throughout the Word of God. Over and over and over, those who are right with God, those who know God, those who have a relationship with God to where they're hearing from God and they can rightly understand with wisdom from on high the situation at hand are constantly being used by God to intercede for those who are gone to the slaughter in their sinful ways. It goes all the way back to Abraham. Abraham was chosen by God before there was a people of God, before there was even the 12 tribes of Israel. It was Uncle Abraham, and he took Lot with him. And Lot is a righteous man, according to 1 Peter. And se- I mean, 2 Peter. And they go off, and they are prospered by God to the point they have to split ways. So Abraham goes one way, Lot goes the other. Lot went to a place called Sodom, a place Lot should have never went. A place Lot had no business being. A place that only reason I can figure Lot went there was greed, the hope of prospering with materialism. And God's looking at Sodom and Gomorrah just like God's looking at America and every other nation on this earth right now. And the cry, the, 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 the wickedness of Sodom, the Bible says, in the 18th chapter of Genesis went up to heaven. So I want to read to you right from the Word of God. If you want to turn there with me and follow me, you're welcome to, because I don't want you to think I'm making this up. But it says in chapter 18, verse 20, And the Lord said, Because of the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah, it is great. And because their sin is very grave, he said, I will go down altogether according to the outcry against it that I have come to me. And if not, I will know. And so it says, And the Lord shall hide, the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed by him. For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they may keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. So the Lord goes to Abraham, and he tells Abraham, 
that I'm going down to Sodom, and if it's the way I hear it is, I'm going to destroy it. And y'all know the story. Y'all have all heard it. Abraham intercedes. One of the greatest pictures, he says, Lord God, would you destroy all of the city if there's 50 righteous among it? Would you destroy the righteous with the wicked? And the Lord begins to listen. And he begins to say, yeah, Lot. I mean, yes, Abraham. If I can find 50, I won't destroy it. Well, Abraham was a pretty spiritual man. He'd been down there, I reckon. And he got to thinking. He said, there ain't no way there's 50 of them down there righteous. So he begins to plead, and he begins to intercede, and he begins to cry to the Lord. He says, if it would be 45, would you let them live? Yes, I will let them. Would it be 40? He gets it all the way down to 10. He says, Lord, forbid that I would speak to you, but this one last time, Lord, if there be 40, would you relent and not destroy the righteous with the wicked? And the Lord said, yeah. And the Bible says that in the last verse, of chapter 18. So the Lord went his way as soon as he had finished speaking with Abraham and Abraham returned to his place. Now the two angels came to Sodom the next evening and Lot was sitting at the gate. Lot was sitting at the gate. He was a leader. He was part of the community. And if it wouldn't have been for Abraham, that's where Lot would have gave his life. That's where Lot would have died. Because they went in, and you know what happened. Not only was it wicked, it was wicked even beyond what we could imagine. Just like you look around today, how wicked can we get when people are shooting children in schools, when people are doing the things we see every day on the news? I can't help but to ask myself, how much wickeder can it get, Lord? And it burdens me. It, it, it makes you so sad for what we've allowed to happen in our communities and in our land. But you know, Abraham pleaded with the Lord, and the Lord did just what he said. He, he, he destroyed the cities. But he took Lot, and I don't have time today because we've got to run, but he delivered Lot. He got Lot out. And I want to read something from you. If you've got your Bible, look with me what it says in verse 27 of chapter 19. And Abraham got up early in the morning and he went and stood at the place where he had stood before the Lord. Then Abraham looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land and the plain and he saw and behold the smoke of the land which went up like the smoke of a furnace. And look at verse 29. Oh, my friend, the importance of one intercessor, one man that will stand in the gap when the Lord finds him. And it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham and sent out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities which Lot had dwelt. He saved Lot because of Abraham's intercession. That's not a one in the Bible random. That's all over. Do y'all remember Moses? Moses was used by God to deliver the Israelites Hundreds of years later, when they become a great nation, and he delivers them by the hand of his mighty hand out of um, Egypt, and they go to the mountain of God, and God shows himself on Mount Sinai. He gives them the Ten Commandments. Moses goes up to stay with God. He's up there 40 days, and it didn't take but 40 days. And they said, where is this Moses went? 
We don't know what happened to him. Make us a new God. Make us our own God. Just like they made a new king, they said, make us our own God. They made a golden calf. And here's Moses. He's up there with God. And God says, Moses, go back down there to your people because they have corrupted themselves. That's exactly what he told him. And he says, Moses, when you go back down there, he said, they've made them a golden calf and they've made them a false god and they have rose up to play. And Moses is coming back down there and Joshua says, it sounds like war. He said, no, that ain't war. That's not the shout of the victory and it's not the anguish of defeat. He said, that is not what you think. He knew what it was. He gets down there. They're in sin. God tells him, Moses, I'm going to destroy those people and make of you a great nation and give you a new people to be over. And you know what Moses said? Oh, Lord, forbid that you would destroy your people. Lord, have mercy on those people. If you destroy them, what will the other nations say? They'll say you delivered them from Egypt, but you couldn't keep them. But Lord, have mercy on them. So because of Moses... God relented. Over and over and over, I can take you in the Bible and show you intercessors who pled for the people of God from Moses and Abraham to Samuel. And because they were spiritually men and women too, they were able to intercede on behalf. And it changed what God did to those who were in sin. Friends, today... If America has a chance at all, the church better understand we better get to praying for it. Christians are called to be intercessors, my friend. Not some Christians, not just elite Christians, not just pastors. All Christians are supposed to pray. Paul said, therefore I exhort first of all before anything else that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. By who? Us, the church. He said, especially for kings and those in authority. And friends, if there's something we're supposed to be doing, it's that we're supposed to be praying. We're supposed to be interceding on behalf of our land. We are the people who God's looking to hold up a wall, to stand in the gap. He's looking, where's he looking? If he's looking in America for a man, he's looking in the church. He's looking in the blood-bought, spirit-filled people of God. He ain't looking in Congress. He ain't looking in the Supreme Court, although there may be some people in there he can use and he will use. But I'm here to tell you, what's going to make the biggest difference is not people who you see on TV every day. Little people like us who nobody knows about but God. Who when he looks down, we're nothing to those big elites think they own the world. To God, we're everything. We're his blood-bought, purchased people of God. And he's, we're valuable to him. And friends, we're the hope of those who don't know him. And we need to be interceding. We need to be praying. Instead of complaining about those politicians who we don't like, who it's hard to stomach, we need to be saying, Lord, have mercy on them. Can you imagine what it must have been like to Moses to come down there and see those people dancing and having orgies and 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 drunkenness around a golden calf when the true God had delivered them, parted the Red Sea, killed Pharaoh, gave them water from a rock, manna from the sky. And the minute Moses went missing for 40 days to go hang out with God, they said, where's Moses? Make us a new God. And his own brother Aaron did it. 
But Moses didn't look at Moses. Moses looked at them people and he looked at God and he said, Lord, forgive them. Abraham could have said, Lot made his own bed, let him lie in it. (laughs) That's what most of us would say. But Abraham said, surely, Lord, you won't kill a righteous man with the wicked, will you? He interceded. And friends, listen, when we come to Samuel, Samuel is perhaps one of the greatest examples of an intercessor in the Bible. And I want to look at his example this morning. Here they are. They took a king in place of God king. And God's upset. He's just sent a thunderstorm, a rainstorm on their harvest. I don't know if you look a little ahead of there, you can look later, but this is how they found out God was upset. Samuel said, God is not happy about the decision y'all made about replacing him with another king. So to do that, I'm going to call down a rainstorm, a thunderstorm on your harvest. Listen, the rains came from God in the springtime, in the growing season. But in the end of the summer was the dry season, very much like here. And it very seldom rained at all, much less came a thunder, a toad strangler. Y'all know what that is. And friends, here it was, their their grain was ready to be harvested. That was their survival for the year. We're talking about their economy. And what did God do? He sent a rain that would have ruined their crop, that would have ruined their harvest. And they got on their face and said, God must not be pleased for something is uncommon Something out of the ordinary as much for a rainstorm like this that has come and ruined our barley grain. And so they're scared. That's what made them come to Samuel and say, pray for us. For God is upset. Guys, I don't know about you, but when I look around, our barley crop has been ruined. Our harvest has been taken. We are famine bound if something doesn't change. We don't think it can happen because we're just like they were. We're so used to God's blessing and so used to living in God's abundance and so used to God's continual forgiveness that we think we can sin and sin and continue to shame God, to go against God, to live ever how we want. And God's not going to do nothing. I'm here to tell you, my friend, any preacher tells you that is a liar. You need to throw your Bible away because God is not up there saying, I wish I could fix them old ungodly Americans. God's got a plan. And friends, listen, we can turn at any time back to God. We have Jesus to forgive us and save us. If we're lost and if we're saved, he will help us and send revival. I want you to see what he said. He said, Mo, whereas for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. But he said, I will teach you the good and the right way. Guys, it's not enough for us just to say, I pray. We got to teach them the good and right way. What is the good and right way? The good news of the gospel. That God loved you so much, he sent his only begotten son. That if you would believe in him, you won't have to perish, but you'll have everlasting life. And not only did he save us and die for us on the cross, but he rose from the dead and he lives today to help us, to be with us, to live in you, to give you spiritual life and to give you spiritual help and to give you grace and strength and ability to rise above this whole world. And even though we live in the world, we don't have to be of the world because he who is in us is greater than the world. We got Jesus now. So there's no excuse. And friends, not only that, but the greatest intercessor of all is Jesus. The Bible says the Spirit himself 
intercedes for us when we don't even know what to say. He groans and he moans in us and he takes our prayers and intercedes and when he brings it to heaven, guess who's waiting? The Bible says Jesus himself is sitting at the right hand of the Father on the throne of all thrones to intercede on behalf of his saints. So he's just waiting for us to get real, to be honest, to intercede to look at it the way it is according to him and not us. And friends, God's not going to leave it this way forever. Listen what he told him. He said, I'm going to tell you the good and the right way. I love this text. If everyone followed this text, we'd be in revival in a week. He says in verse 20, then Samuel said to the people, do not fear, you have done all this wickedness. You've done all this wickedness. Guys, it's time that we wake up. We have done a lot of wickedness. We are nowhere near where we were 50 years ago. If someone would have told us the things going on today in America that is culturally and societally accepted was going to happen 50 years ago, nobody would have believed it. I can't believe how it's went so far to the left since I've been a Christian. And that's only been 25 years. Friends, it is in dire straits that America realized you cannot continue on the path we're on, going in the direction we're going, and America continue to be great, much less ever be great again. We've got to have a revival. We've got to have a spiritual awakening. There's got to be a turning. And there's going to have to be men who are men and women who will be women who are willing to stand in the gap Stand and make a wall between us and God and say, enough is enough, God. We stand with you and we plead for you to help us. Look at what he tells them. He says right there, you have done all this evil. He says, yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. And do not turn aside for them. For if you turn aside, he said, you would go after empty things which cannot profit or deliver, for they are nothing. Would you agree with me today that the church has turned aside from things she used to seek and the activities she used to do for other things that do not profit? Have you figured out yet that programs and money doesn't win the world to Christ? We got more programs, we got buildings, we got more money than the church has ever had, and we win less people. Consistently, the Southern Baptist Convention declines, and she goes down in baptisms, and we just swap members back and forth to the most popular church, but we do not win the world to Christ anymore. Why is that? Because the things that we trust in do not work. Programs, no matter how good they are. We need children's programs. We need women's programs. We need men's ministries. We need all those things. But without God, they're just religion. What we need more than anything else is not more money, not better programs, not better literature, not bigger buildings, not even bigger crowds. We need more God. Because we have done just what they've done, if you're honest. We've gotten comfortable with the things of how they are today. And we've gotten complacent. 50 years ago, 100 years ago, a dead church would have been more alive than a live church today, if we're honest. And friends, look at what he says right there. He says, I will show you the good way. The next verse, look at what he says. Only fear the Lord 
and serve him in truth with all your heart. For consider what great things he has done for you. Man, there's a natural breakdown in here. It's an outline. You ain't got to be a preacher to figure it out. First thing he said was, you better fear the Lord. The beginning of wisdom is to fear God, not to fear him that he's going to hurt us, but to fear him in reverence and respect that he's God. That what he says is right and true and we don't get to change it. If you redefine marriage, God's out of it. If you redefine who is a man and who is a woman, God's gone from you. If you redefine what a family is, God's not in it. You can't make it into what you want it to be and then want God to give who you want him to be. God doesn't change, my friend. We need to get a healthy dose of respect and awe of the living God. And we need to understand that he is a consuming fire, my friend, and that he does not change. Yesterday, God is the same. Jesus is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever, he will never change. He's righteous. He's just. Yes, he's forgiven. But you got to repent. you got to confess. You can't live in sin habitually like we do. They say that pornography is just as prevalent in the church as it is in the world. I talk to men of God all the time, and they tell me, you wouldn't believe how many men are struggling with it. Friends, anybody here that's a man who's not going to say he hasn't been tempted with it is probably a liar. And friends, if we, if we just keep acting like it's okay. But then there's other things, substance abuse, materialism covetness, all those things we've grown so used to, we don't even see them as a problem. You see, because all those things keep you from serving the Lord in truth with a pure heart. You can't serve the Lord in truth with all your heart when you're watching pornography two and three times a week. You can't serve the Lord with all your heart and in truth when you're consumed with materialism and better cars and bigger houses and your money and the economy and the biggest thing that gives you fear ain't God it's inflation friends we need to wake up there's something worse than inflation there's something worse than than a pandemic what else does God have to do to America to show my favor has been removed we've had Hurricanes after hurricanes, natural disasters after natural. When I was a kid, hurricanes was fun. Man, you got out of school, you went and played in the road, you hooked up a boat and went down Main Street through Madisonville with an outboard motor for two days. Nothing got destroyed, it just got wet. We used to pray they'd come. Now, every time I turn around, it's a natural disaster. They didn't do that. They had them, but they wasn't acting. And I ain't no climate alarmist. I don't believe the climate's got nothing to do with it. I believe God does. But I'm going to tell you what else. Pandemics. Here we was. We went through the greatest pandemic in our lifetime. COVID-19. And now it's like, oh, well, we made it through it. (laughs) We lost a lot of people. It kind of disrupted, ruined our economy. But we're going to be okay. Friends, I don't know about y'all. Why did that happen in the first place? See, that's what he uses, it says in the Bible. He uses pandemics, pestilence, famines. All I hear now is inflation, gas prices, food prices. I don't know about you, but I'm looking at trees in my backyard the other day, thinking about cutting them down so I'll have enough room to make me a garden, amen? Because I like to eat. And I'm afraid, my friends, times are coming, but we ain't seen it yet. You know how I know? Me and Diane went to go eat at a new restaurant last week. We got there at 1 o'clock. I said, surely the crowd will be down by now. 
At 1 o'clock on a weekday, we had an hour wait for two people. And you can't get a reservation unless it's eight or more. And there's people sitting outside waiting to eat at that restaurant. Every restaurant you go to, the parking lots are full. Friends, we ain't not come to the place yet that you can get in America. But friends, I'm telling you, we need to serve the Lord with all of our heart. That means give the Lord your heart, not the world. But guys, listen, why would you want to do that? It's pretty easy to figure that out. For them, he delivered them from Egypt. He set them free from the slavery under Pharaoh. And he delivered them to be their own people. And he he took them to be his own. And Jesus has done the same thing for us. I don't know about y'all, but I got saved one day. The cross made a difference in my life. The blood took away my guilt, my shame. I'm not perfect, but I'm not running around anymore thinking God's going to destroy me. I'm not condemned. But friends, listen, consider what great things he's done for you. Look at what God did for America. Look at where we were a hundred years ago. Look at where we came from. The hand of undeniable providence and blessing that was on us. Now look where we're at. See, so consider the great things he has done. We need to wake up. There's still a church in America that could intercede and make a difference. There's still enough people that know God that can still make a difference. I'm convinced there's more than you think even up there in Congress. There's some that is also in the Senate. You said, are you crazy? Oh, no. God's got a remnant, my friend. And friends, there's enough here that if we truly got serious and woke up that God could send a great awakening. He could send a revival. But guys, if you don't wake up, if we keep doing what we're doing, and America just keeps going the way it's going, this is what's going to happen. Samuel told him the truth. He said, but if you still continue to do wickedly, you shall be swept away, both you and your king. If we continue to do what we're doing as a nation, it don't matter who sits in the White House. It don't matter who owns Congress. It don't matter who runs the Senate. And it don't matter how many conservatives you get in the Supreme Court justices. God is not going to let us continue to operate so far out of the boundaries of thus saith the Lord, the Bible. He's not going to let us shame the name of Jesus forever. So we need to understand now is the day of salvation. Now is the day that we can repent. I don't know about y'all, but when I looked at that and I began to study, they didn't listen. And I've been teaching y'all, if you're paying attention for the last few weeks about how Israel is our example, how God said what he did to them is how he's going to work with us. That's what Paul says in the 10th chapter of 1 Corinthians. Not that we're going to go to hell, but we're going to experience lost blessings here. Friends, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but in Jeremiah, that was centuries later. By that time, the northern kingdom, those 10 tribes had went into captivity. They had been just, just I mean, they had been judged. They even ceased to exist. There was no longer a northern kingdom of Israel. All there was left was the southern kingdom of Judah, two little tribes. And God, because of his covenant promise with David, he kept trying, he kept working with them, he kept trying, but they kept doing wrong. So he sent Jeremiah, and if you read the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah preached to him, Jeremiah warned him, Jeremiah told him that God is going to judge the nation of Judah. He's going to destroy the holy city of Jerusalem 
and he's going to tear down your temple and he's going to take all of you into captivity and life as you know it is going to end as the favored chosen people of God. But prophets after prophets kept preaching and finally they wouldn't listen to Jeremiah. So you know what God said? He said, he told him in the 14th chapter, do not pray for them anymore for they are a stiff-necked people and I am no longer going to show them my favor. He told him here, then the Lord said to me, even if Moses and Samuel stood before me, my mind would not be favorable toward this people. Cast them out of my sight and let them go forth. I know what you're thinking. That's the Old Testament preacher. That's different. Is he a different God? Does he have different righteousness? Friends, listen. America is prime for this. And so, Jeremiah kept preaching, and a judgment came. Y'all know what happened. Nebuchadnezzar came in. He destroyed the city. He destroyed the temple. And he took all the people that he didn't kill into captivity, and he took them to Babylon. And while he is in Babylon, a young man of God named Daniel went with him. And friends, Daniel was with him. And all the people that were left was in captivity. Jerusalem was in desolation. The temple was in ruins. The wall was torn down. And the people of God was totally separated and scattered all over and no longer in the Holy Land. And friends, listen. Daniel, though, a prayer warrior, one man. If you go read Daniel chapter 9, He says, I set my face toward the Lord God to make requests by prayer, supplications, with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. And when you begin to read that, one of the greatest intercessory prayers you'll ever see of confession on behalf of a nation and his chosen people, Daniel prays. And when you get to the end of his prayer, I want you to listen to what he says. Now, while I was still speaking, praying, and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of God, yes, while I was speaking in my prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in my vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, reached me about the time of the evening offering. And he informed me and talked with me and said, Daniel, I have now come forth to give you skill and understanding. He says that the moment you began to make your confession, I was given the order to come and tell you God's plan and vision for your people. Friends, I want to tell you something. If there's ever been a time when America needs men who connect with God to know what God wants to do with us and how he's going to fool it's now. And friends, listen, Daniel, when he prayed, didn't pray the way we think of. He said, I set my face toward the Lord God to make requests by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. Has anybody here ever studied what that means, sackcloth and ashes? Now, we know what fasting is, and boy, it scares Baptists to death. But he did without food and possibly water. He sacrificed what he needed physically because he was more concerned about what they needed spiritually. So he said, I'm going to fast. I'm going to give up my food. I'm going to give up water. And I'm going to set my face toward the Lord my God. And I'm going to make my request. And if you go read his request, it's so beautiful. It's so unbelievable 
how he was willing to stand in the gap on behalf of his people and pray and bring supplications. But he put on sackcloth. Sackcloth's the closest thing I can find. Everybody remember them old burlap sacks? It was a, 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 a set of prayer clothes that they wore made out of that sackcloth, and it was purposely put on because it was as uncomfortable as a burlap sack. It made you itch. It, it, if you wore it long enough, you could get a rash. But on top of that, he took ashes and he threw them on his head as a sign of his anguish and also to increase his uncomfortableness and to increase his realization of how dire it was. That's what they would do. Sackcloth and ashes and fasting was an expression of God, how serious I understand our situation, how bad we need you. Now, you couldn't find five Baptists in all of America to do that. But we want what God did for Daniel to do what he did for Israel for us. But it can happen when we get on our face, when we get a broken and contrite spirit again. And I'm preaching to Marvin. I'm comfortable being Marvin, being a well-paid preacher, living the life of Lolly as a minister in the land of the free. But that ain't going to change my lost loved ones going to hell. That ain't going to change the course of America unless we wake up and we get uncomfortable again and we realize that America needs intercessors. Man, I don't know what you do, but I don't pray near as much as I ought to, and I'm confessing today. I need to learn to pray better. We need to start having more prayer meetings and less other kind. How many women or how many men would come to a meeting if we only were coming to pray all night? No, you can't get but 30 to come with all the sake you can eat. Amen? But we're going to change America. I don't know about y'all, but I thank God for men of God who are willing to be intercessors for other men of God and for the lost. These are two men that God recently put in my life. One of them's name is Brother Billy Brady. He's a deacon at First Baptist Carthage. I was introduced to him by Brother Kyle at a Men of Courage meeting. And we start talking, and he's a talker, and he's sharing with me. And he says, could I get your number, Brother Marvin? He said, I intercede. I have a list of preachers that I pray for every Sunday. I promise I will never put you on a group text. I will never give your number to anybody else unless I ask permission. And, and what I text you will be just between me and you. It won't be to anybody else, but I want to pray for you. I want to add you to my intercessory prayer ministry for pastors. That was in March the 6th. I got my first one, March the 6th. If you want to count how many Sundays ago, that's 14 Sundays ago. He ain't missed a Sunday. He's on schedule just like me. I leave the house every Sunday at the same time, and when I leave the house on Sunday before I get to church here, bing, my phone goes off, and I say, that's Brother Billy. And I read it while I'm driving to church. And I'm going to tell you something. It's different every time. It's unique. It's seasonal. And he writes, and this is what he gave me this morning. This was at 7.07 this morning. Abba Father, we are so frustrated with what is going on in our lives and how sin is chipping away at our relationships and our families and our churches and our communities and our country. 
Lord, we know that the only thing that is keeping us going is our faith and trust in you. We know the answer is Jesus, but we seem to stay silent as sin continues to creep into our lives. Father, help all of us, including my brother, as he stands before us today. Speak your name with power and boldness. My brother is trying to share the gospel with all of the people he meets. Help him. Teach us your truths and encourage us to witness for you as we go about our daily lives. Lord, he needs strength from you. We need strength from you. The world has gone crazy and we are, the children seem to be following suit and going right with it. Lord, send a revival to us all. The lost are dying and no one seems to care. Give my brother stamina, courage, wisdom, and talent to share whatever you instruct him to do. Cover him with your Holy Spirit and guide him each step of his way. Father, may all that he has said and done be about you. We love you, we praise you, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Give him Jesus, Billy. I get one like this every week. They're long. I'm reading them. I read them all the time. I go back and read them later. I got another one. This all just happened by chance. I know another guy from it I met from the carpenters, I mean the uh, men of courage, named Brother Dr. Robert Finley. Brother Robert, and I started talking to him and liking him. And I told Kyle, I said, give me Brother Robert's number. I want to bless him with some fish. So he gave me his number, and I called him. I said, Brother Robert, do you like fish? Oh, yeah, my family's coming in. I said, I want to bring you some fish. Can we meet? Yeah. So we met, and I gave him the fish. He said, I got your number. Do you care if I pray for you? And I, I said, no. So he started sending them to me. And I've been getting them now for a couple weeks from him. And this is what I got from him this morning. At 6 o'clock on the dot, every Sunday it goes off. It's my new wake up. I don't need to set my clock. And the first thing I do before I get out of the bed is I pick this up and I read it. As a preacher, I can't tell you how much it encourages you. It makes you feel like you're making a difference, that we're a team, that God is real, that he's going to do something. Friends, I'm telling you, man, that's what intercessory is. Listen to what he told me this morning. Abba Father, it seems that everyone is seeking an answer for all the evil that is in our world lately. Father, I know we know that the only answer to overcome this evil is found in you and a personal relationship with the Lord. Inanimate objects are not the problem. People with evil and unregenerate hearts are the problem. Nothing and no one will change until people are changed through the power of the gospel. Increase our burden for the lost that will compel us to share the gospel in every venue that you open to us. May the compassion of Jesus Christ fill our hearts that will move us into action to reach the people with the truths of Scripture. Holy Spirit, fill us and empower us in vessels for the glory of God. Speak to us, speak through us, speak to the people around us. Grant us all ears to hear you and hearts open and obedient to you. Draw the lost into a relationship with you and revive your children. All for your glory and in Jesus' name. Friends, I'm telling you what, that ain't just a bless our pastor, help him to not get tired. Friends, that's spiritual warfare prayer. That's the kind of prayer that scares the hell out of the devil even. That's the kind of praying it's going to take. I'm not here to venerate them men and build them up, but I'm here to tell you that's what's got to happen in the body of Christ if the body of Christ is going to make a difference in our generation we got to do more than pray over meals.
We got to do more than pray on Sunday because that's what we're supposed to do. We got to start getting on our face before holy God if we want holy God to change this wicked world and this backslidden nation that I love, that I will give my life for. I will preach like this. I, will, I don't care if people like me or not. I ain't here to be liked. I'm here to tell you the truth. Guys, do you really believe America can continue like it is and we not have trouble in the horizon? We have got to wake up. And we've got to be the people to go tell others. And I don't know about y'all, but I thank God for people like him that'll pray, that'll give his life for Jesus. And I thank God for all of you, for a church where we can preach. Guys, if you want to make a difference, if you want to honor those men who gave their physical life for our physical world in America, Make a difference. Be an American that God can love and use. Be an American that cares enough about America that we realize the problem is not Russia. The problem is not China. The problem is that there's a devil and that our world is lost. And they're hell-bound, and they're going to be hellions as long as they belong to hell. The only thing that will set them free is when Jesus comes into their life. The only thing that will make a difference is when we realize that every hope we're trusted in, a vote ain't going to fix it. I don't care if every Republican wins come November. And if he does, I'm going to praise Jesus. I ain't going to lie. But I don't look for that to fix it. I'm here to tell you today, my friend, Jesus is the answer. And you got lost people, yeah, they don't look like Christians, they don't act like Christians, let me wake you up, my friend. That's because they ain't Christians. I don't care how what church they have belonged to. I don't care how many times they've been baptized. If the Spirit of God lives in them, they're going to show evidence of the fruit of it in their life. When they act like the world, they're of the world. John said they went out from us because they never were of us. we got to get back to the place where we understand Jesus delivers people and sets them free. I've been looking at this all week. I was like, Lord, this is not a good kind of message that they're going to want to hear. But I'm going to tell you what, when I read Daniel and I look at what happened, you know what happened? Daniel prayed that prayer, and God raised up a man named Zerubbabel, and he gave him another man named Ezra, and he connected a group of people from the captivity to go back to the holy city, and they built the temple and laid a foundation. And then they were struggling and they had a report came back and another man named Nehemiah said, how are the captives that returned back to Jerusalem? They said, they're in trouble. The holy city is burned. The, the gates are, are burned and the, the wall is destroyed and they're living in peril and it broke his heart. And he went before God and he interceded and God heard him and God said, go and talk to the king. What? Yes, go and talk to the king. He went to the king. Not only did that wicked king give him permission, but he gave him a letter of authority and all the supplies to go back. And he built a wall in 53 days. And they built a wall and they reunited. And the people of God moved back into the holy city and God raised them back up again. See, that's what God does. He can make America great again. He can make America a place if that's what we want, if we ask him. So this morning, this is what I want to ask us to do. Men laid their life on the line for us to be here today. How many of us would lay our life on the line at an altar this morning to help this nation that they died for become the nation that God wants it to be? How many of us here would be willing to come and lay at an altar and pray for the lost and pray for our nation and pray for our leaders because that's what it's going to take. And it's not going to take one time at the altar. If you come to this altar this morning, 
I pray you'll make an altar in the morning. And I'm going to ask everybody here to bow the knee once a day to Jesus for our country. Lord, just like he put on that sackcloth, just like he put on those ashes, just like he fasted, Lord, I'm going to kneel every morning, Lord, and I'm going to show you reverence. I'm going to fear you. Lord, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to pray. And I'm praying for revival. I'm praying for a new America. I'm praying for you, Lord, to move on our country. Friends, that's what's going to happen. If we forget about it before we go home, God's going to forget about us, friend. We need to get on our face. This morning, it's a simple, if you're lost, come up here. We'll save you in the mix. But in the meantime, if you care about America, if you know Jesus, if you want America to be blessed, I'm going to ask you to come and be an intercessor with us. And when we get through, I'm going to ask Brother Jonathan to lead us in a group prayer together. Would you do that this morning? Because I'm telling you, it's to the place where we must do something more than what we've been doing if we're going to see a difference. Father, I pray as we prepare, we don't need music, although if Miss Karen will come and play the piano lightly. But I'm inviting everybody, even our musicians, everybody in this room that knows Jesus to come and kneel with me at an altar for our fellow Americans, for our nation that we love. Just as men gave their lives physically, Lord, help us to give our lives spiritually so that we might intercede on behalf of those who can't intercede for themselves. Lord, I thank you for people who are coming to pray. I thank you for people who believe and understand the need to do that. And as we pray, Lord, we thank you that you're faithful and just to answer our prayers. In Jesus' name.